Hello, and welcome back to The Empowered Resilient Woman, a podcast that supports all who identify as women to become their most resilient self in life and in business and carve an easier path to sustainable success. I'm Kimberly Smith, your host, and I am being joined today by a very important guest. I am so excited to have with me Mary Catherine Lamaster. She is a speaker. She is an advocate for the blind, a mother, an accessibility and mindfulness consultant, a legally blind visionary, and she is president of the nonprofit ICQ, Houston's Visually Impaired and Blind Community and Their Families. So welcome to the show, Mary Catherine. I'm so glad to have you here with me today. I know that you and I have been working towards this conversation for months. <laughs> we have, we have. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I am so excited to have this conversation and open the door for so many of us, so many people. I'm excited. Thank you. Yes. And, you know, this particular topic really touches me close to my heart for, you know, a big reason too. You know, when you and I met Mary Catherine, we were actually at one of my favorite places here in Houston, She Space. Shout out to the best co working space yeah. ever. And yeah. I've met so many incredible people through that space and, you know, just their community itself. Um, and when you and I met, I just had this feeling and then, you know, I was really curious because I, I could tell that you were visually impaired and I don't know, did I catch you off guard when I, when I asked you specifically about your impairment? Well, kind of only because sometimes, so I, I am a white cane user. And so people will often, if I'm speaking, they come up and ask me questions about my life. And every now and then someone will say, oh my gosh, my mom, my brother, my someone in my family or my best friend has a visual impairment. And the way you were talking, I think you have the same thing. And every now and then I go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because quite honestly, I don't see a lot of other uh, people who are blind, who are cane users. That's really how mm -hmm. I know if they are legally blind like myself. So when I hear someone say something or we make a connection, it's a, it does surprise me and it makes me so happy and so excited. Yeah, for sure. Well, and for, for those who don't know, there's probably many listeners who do know this, but my mother is legally blind uh, and she was um, diagnosed with the very same, uh, eye disease as, as you have retinitis pigmentosa or RP yeah. uh, when she was 26. Um, and I know that it changed the trajectory of her life completely. Right. You know, obviously, you know, being her daughter, you know, I've spent my lifetime too, um, you know, supporting her as well. Um, but I'm really eager to hear your story. You know, of course, when you confirmed that you two had, had, RP, I was like, okay, I got to talk to you more. I got to learn more about what you're doing and your business. So, I mean, I guess let's just start at the very, like the beginning when you were diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa and kind of what that was like. Yeah. So I was, I was 13 and it's a really heavy load to be diagnosed mm -hmm. 
with an incurable degenerative eye disease at 13 and told that you would go blind by your 30s. It was it was really heavy. It was really heavy. In my it runs in my family. Um, and what RP does is it actually gives you, leaves you with tunnel vision. So it slowly deteriorates your peripheral vision. So if you're looking straight ahead, you don't see down. If you're looking to the right, you don't see left. And it's really tricky place to be because I can see, but I can't see. It's confusing. It's very, it's confusing to explain. It's confusing to, to live, but this is, this is my life and this is the way things work. So at 13, well, honestly, I didn't believe it. I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe it because my vision was so good. Right. And now there was this thing that I was like having to wait for or had to, had to have fear around or that really kind of stopped me in my tracks. But luckily being a thir- normal 13 year old that was incredibly rebellious. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this shit's not going to happen. No, we are not. This is not what we're doing. Thank you so much for the offer, but no, yeah. we could do something else. You know, I had trouble at night. I did. I've always been night blind. I've never driven at night, but I, I went home and my mom and my dad were in just, they were crushed. They were absolutely crushed Mm -hmm. and rightfully so, you know, it's a, it was a scare. The delivery from the physicians was scary. It often is. I definitely want to talk about that in this podcast. Um, but there was a fire inside of me that I really haven't honored until now, but I just thought to myself, okay, all right. So let's just say this is actually going to happen. Let's just say this could happen one day. What am I going to do? I mean, I, I I have to know that I physically can get through this. And I didn't realize that this was literally, this was my spirit working through me at 13, that I, every night for a week, I think it was about three weeks, but I specifically remember the first week. Um, I would rearrange my bedroom furniture because, and I would drink extra water prior to going to sleep. My, my, my dad doesn't, my parents wouldn't even know this story. Um, but I would drink extra water to make sure that I had to go to the restroom and I wanted to, it was an obstacle course so I could make it. And so in the beginning I would move really slow and I would have my arms out and I would touch and feel along, along the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made it every time I made it, but as the day, the nights went on, I would, I would, I would move things around again. And then I said to myself, okay, you can't touch anything. It has to be through hearing. You have to make it, you have to make it there and back. Just try it. Just see if it's even possible. And it was incredible. And everything has a vibration to it, right? Everything. I mean, this is scientific, scientifically proven. This is how we work is through vibration. And you can hear, so a dresser drawer will take up more space than a chair. Wow. And so I started to hear, literally, my right ear would hear something different because the 
the dresser drawer was taking up that space. So the right side of my body knew not to go right. And then to the left, I could hear, but I knew it was lower. And so my hearing really became even more of a sixth sense. It wasn't just audio. It was more than that. I could start to sense where things were. So then I kind of let go of the hearing. Just to to comment on this too, because I think that that is a common question that when you lose one sense, do the other, are the other ones enhanced? And it sounds like it wasn't necessarily enhanced. You just had to tap into it in a different way and train yourself to actually receive that information in a different way. Yeah. Cause I get that question a lot. And every single person who is blind will tell you a different story. will tell you a different answer. I, my hearing is I've, I, my best friend calls me whisper 2000 because <laughs> she, will, she will say stuff in the other room of her house. And I always hear her. And now I don't always hear bit. my husband. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't hear my, my roommates very well. It is, I think this, the sense that really gets heightened is mm-hmm. that intuition is that yeah. sensing and knowing your space where you feel empowered, where you don't, what needs to be cleared in that room, you know, um, I think that's a big part of it because it got to the point where I just, I literally just could feel my way through my room at night. And and I knew after that, that I was going to be okay if I ever did actually go blind. Yeah. So you were really preparing for this your whole life you know, when did you, when would you say that blindness arrived and, you know, what was your plan of action from that point on? You know, I mean, how did that, I guess, change your vision for life? You're literally and figuratively, right. You know, in terms of looking forward, it really, really, really did. You know, it didn't really hit me literally until three years ago Mm. when I became legally blind. Um, I never really had problems with my vision. It was just, it was me. So I knew how to figure out nighttime and my amazing friends that would help me kind of navigate rooms and places and things. But three years ago, I woke up and I had lost over 75% of my peripheral vision and everything, the entire, my, my entire world became inaccessible overnight. And I didn't know what in the hell I was going to do, but I immediately went back to that 13 year old self and that, that way of thinking of, okay, I'm going to figure it out and I'm just going to move really slow. And I am so lucky to have my background as a meditation teacher and a yoga teacher, because the breath literally will help me every second of every day, you know, Oh, you know, sure. And, so and that, having your vision, you know, just go away. I mean, that's so dysregulating, right? So yeah, your breath is one of, is the best regulation tool in terms of, you know, kind of getting your breath and, and grounding yourself and, you know, taking down that stress level so that you can really think clearly. And what you just described there, right? Taking on that thought process that you were going to figure it out and you were going to go really slow, right? You were already setting the stage for like, I'm going to need so much patience here. I'm going to be gentle with myself. 
right? That is the solution driven mindset, right? That is, that is confidence actually. And it's most pure state is not knowing everything, but willingly walking into the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. And embracing the unknown and knowing that you're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, hearing sometimes when I say that to people, it sounds like a great pillow quote, you know, we're going to be okay. Cause some days are hard. You're like, shit. Yep. I literally don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. And then you start thinking about your life and the people around you and the people that you love, the people that love you and that we're not here to give up, but we also don't have, and especially as women and as mothers, that doesn't mean that when we decide we want to go forward, that we have to like barrel and push into this bullshit hustle mentality. That is sure old way, the new way is us being so empowered in our body and our soul that we go forward with just like such grounded power that it's aligned. It's, it's, it's just an alignment and it's faith It's faith in yourself and in, you know, that yes, it it's not just us, right. you know, we, we are freaking badass women who are capable of so much, right? We can do so much with our own efforts. And then there's this point where you just have to trust. And it's, it's that point of surrender that, you know, we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. It'll continue to be a theme for sure, because you notice those moments where you're feeling tense or you're feeling stuck or you're feeling self, you know, the the self-doubt creeping in. And that just amplifies the fear, right? Or just gives it more power. And so, yeah, it's really having that faith and trust and surrender and letting go a bit and taking that pressure off yourself to do so much all at once, right? Yes. Go slow, go as slow as you freaking need to. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, so someone said something today and I thought it was so important is you can't go higher if you're holding on to what's beneath you. Yeah. You can't, there's not, there's not enough, there's not a long enough stretch for that to take, for you to do both, right? And to take, for that to take place. It really is this place of surrender, knowing that, you know what, we're going to figure it out. No matter what comes at us, we will figure it out. And so right after I was, I lost my sight this three years ago, I, um, at the time, I also had cataracts and glaucoma, and I had a bilateral cataract surgery that summer, summer of 2020. Mm. Very interesting to be in and out of the hospital for tests. I bet. All. Yeah, it was that was that was really interesting to move through so much fear of my own, just for my own experience of blindness and I'm losing, I'm losing, like I've, I've lost it. I'm losing my sight. And then being around so many people in so much fear. And that was really hard. That was a really, really hard moment in, in my life. Um, and I thought, okay, so how would I tell my clients to set up for a surgery? How, what do I give? What advice do I give? And you probably do this all the time. 
you know, as a coach, we do this. We, we teach what we need the most. And then it comes in our own house and our own life. And you're like, Absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to need meditations, but for the first time in my life, I didn't want to hear anyone else's voice. I wanted my voice. I wanted my guidance because I know how slow I like the cadence to be. I knew what I knew what I needed. And we don't remember that we know that what we need until it's kind of past the mark. But we always, if we go slow enough, we always know what we need. And absolutely. Yes. We're always looking outward for that obvious, like saving grace. And it's really when we pause and yes, do what you say, right? Like kind of go inward and ask the question, like, what do I need right now? What can I give to myself? How can I help myself? That's, those are empowering moments too, because you realize that you really do have a lot of resources and you really do have more control than you think over a lot of things. You're so right. That's exact. And that's exactly what it, what it felt like. It felt, you know, when really big things come through our lives and we fight them, we're angry at them. And then we ask, okay, what's here for me. And that was a moment that I was able to request my own voice, request my own inner vision, because I asked myself so many times over these three years of just, okay, no more looking out, like literally it's coming back to you. It's always coming back to myself. Everybody's, everybody's medicine is coming back to themselves. So with vision and blindness, you know, but when we were preparing for this conversation, right, we talked about how so many people aren't aware of the really broad spectrum that vision and blindness falls on and and what it really means to be visually impaired. So what does that mean? Like, what does that look like in terms of stats? I mean, I don't know if you know something off the top of your head, just in terms of like people who experience just impairment in general, right? What is impairment? Yeah. And what a, what a big question because it's in every single community, right? And what I love to tell people. So when it comes to visually being visually impaired, one in four people, I think that that's a low I think it's actually one in two or one in three people is visually impaired. So visually impaired literally just means there's an impairment to your vision. Okay. Right. Do you wear contacts? Do you I do. wear glasses? Mm-hmm. I right? do. So you're visually impaired. Mm-hmm. Nothing in your life has changed, but it kind of comes back to that mindfulness question of what do I need? So if your right. your eyes need a little help, awesome. You grab your contacts, you grab your glasses so that you can have access wherever you go. That's something that we do on our part. But then um, bigger scale is is creating more accessibility. So we are all syncing up to be invited to the same table and to invite everybody to the table. And that's what, you know, really I've been on such a mission in these three years. I've created my own um, accessibility and mindfulness consulting business. So I help businesses create more accessibility for the visually impaired and blind community. Part of that is educating people, the sighted community, because I didn't, I didn't know. And there's so much to know. The first thing is that it is a spectrum. So even though I am legally blind, I can still see, and that's very confusing 
that's why when I was diagnosed at 13, you're going to go blind. Well, what did we know? What have we always been told about any disability community? You know, your life is really going to be different, hard, difficult. You're going to be alone. All these awful things. Nothing was empowering for me. Um, Which it shouldn't be like that anyway. I mean, I mean, because you're differently abled there, there's no reason why you should have a less full life. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a big, a big part of it. And just how people also want to be addressed. I'm great saying that I'm blind. I wasn't for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's taken me some time to get there, you know, and anytime you are diagnosed with anything, I feel like you leave the office with someone else's title for you. And it's our decision that we get to go back and get that part of ourselves and give ourselves our own title. So finding a way to empower ourselves with this new part of our life, um, which I've, I have um, fiercely led myself through with being a, a white cane user now. Right. And I've, I've named her. I have two of them. My white one is she's her name is Sugar, and the it. yellow one. So I've got I got both girls because <laughs> um, it's part. Of, it's a part of me now. It is. Yeah, she helps me get around everywhere I need to go. And honestly, my entire life, I always said I will never, ever, ever use a cane. You'll never find me with those ever in my whole entire life. But I never want, I never wanted or want my child to feel like he can't, that he, that I am a burden to him. And I have had to suck up some real guts to do it. And I understand that. I mean, my, my mom felt very similar and, you know, she, it was maybe the fear of, you know, drawing attention to herself, right? Or, um, you know, because there's this tabooness around disability. There's yeah. a tabooness around being blind. And I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> we're getting real frank here, right? That yeah. I am, I am, I have been appalled at the inconsiderate behavior that I have not only witnessed around my mother, right? When people do notice that she's visually impaired or blind. I mean, she, when she was first, now she has a guide dog, but she wouldn't, she was using her, her cane. It was like, people wouldn't get out of the way. They wouldn't, you know, like they almost kind of, I don't know. There was this like uneasiness, but then also them just not like being mindful of maybe clearing a path even to make it even easier for her. Right. And it's, it's just kind of shocking, right. You know, like, um, whether you see somebody who's disabled or not, right. Like let's be helpful, right. Let's take that mindset of being helpful and assisting people. You know, I just kind of remember this moment. This is unrelated little story tangent, but like I was, um, at lunch with, for, for work one day, this was years ago. And somebody in the cafeteria, like the work cafeteria dropped a plate and it smashed all over. Right. And like food was on the floor. Right. And I immediately like went down and like helped picking them up. Right. And it's like all these people around are just staring 
not doing a fucking thing, right? And just looking like, oh, how embarrassing, right? And I thought, man, shame on you all, right? Like be better than that. Like as a community, we have to be better for people that are have all types of abilities or disabilities. And it is, it's about creating that positive experience for people, no matter what. So, you know, when, I mean, obviously you you've taken something which was very hard on you initially, initially to adjust to, and you've spun it into something very positive with this business of yours, which we're going to talk more about, but what was your own experience of not being able to access what you needed, right? Whether that was in real life or online or, or, or whatever it may be, you know, were there moments where you were like, man, this should not be this difficult. Oh my God. The levels, if I could, I mean, there's not enough time. Yeah, I know. know. We could really be here forever. I'm sure with all of the examples that you must have time to tell you all of the places, all of the things. I want to back up just really fast about being the cane and people might like my husband and my son, because luckily I don't actually see all those people staring, but I can feel them. Oh, I bet. I can feel it. And on those days I might be a little cheeky and, (laughs) and and turn and look at them and give them a wink. I mean, I have a vision. (laughs) I can fuck with people at this, but it's been, it's been even harder for my friends and my loved ones to be with me to see those things. Cause I can understand that that's kind of where you've been coming from is you see how everyone is reacting and, you know, a stat that I did not think about that changed everything for me is the minority community is the largest, I'm sorry, the disability community is the largest minority community that every single one of us will be a part of in our life. Wow. That is, that is a big statistic and that, yeah, that changes your mindset completely. Everything into perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's a big reason of, you know, I'm on, I have such a goal to make places more accessible. Yes, of course, for me and for my community, but for everybody, because you make it accessible for one community, then it opens the door for everybody else. And, you know, our entire society is going to have to swallow egos because it's not about the way we look. It's about how we treat ourselves and each other. This is it. If we're not seeing that enough in our society right now at this moment in our history, then we are asleep and it is time to wake the fuck up. Yep. We need to be more aware of how to have a better society, a more loving society and move up, move the needle forward because none of us even really want to be in this place where we're mean to each other and where we're not kind, where we're not helpful, where we're not a community. We've really lost that 
And I, I'm, I will say one of the reasons I've had such confidence through this whole thing is because of the other blind and visually impaired people I have met that have reminded me that, you know, this isn't different. My life is not different. It is normal. This is a normal life. This is like everything's normal. It might look a little bit a little bit different to certain people, but then you get into the question of what's normal, what's not. We're not talking right. that. But <clears throat> so back to your original question of have I ever, what do I do when something's not accessible? Is that your question? The level and layers of inaccessibility? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when I, back to when I was having, after I was healing from the bilateral cataract surgery, really didn't have much vision at all at that time. And um, I was, originally I was looking for meditations and then I, I realized so fast, well, one, I wanted my own, but when I was in that search and I'm also coming from the yoga and meditation world, the wellness world, the industry, every Every image, every class time, every post was inaccessible. This was my very first avenue that I to see how inaccessible this market, this this area is, because all of our images, while they are lovely, they're so lovely and light and airy. The context, the text, and all the information on top also is light and airy and script font. So everything blends into itself. I couldn't read anything. I could barely see what was in the images. And it wasn't until I followed another um, blind advocate that I learned about photo descriptions. That's what they're there for, to describe what's in the photo to a blind person so they can also understand what's happening in the photo, the post. So the first thing I did was I made all of my, I, I went into my website. I went into all of my things and be, learned how to make everything accessible for the visually impaired community. Um, and also when you open that up then you open it up for the dyslexia community, for the elderly community, and for so many more, any the neurodivergent community, when you have larger font, it's so easy to make things accessible. We've been told lies upon lies upon lies. It's not timely. It is not super costly. Um, and when I tell, when I work with businesses, that's probably their biggest thing that they walk away with. Their aha. They had no. They have no idea how easy it is to make it accessible. But they also don't know they have visually impaired students clients and customers. There's 4 billion people in the world with a visual impairment. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And you're excluding a lot of people when, you know, things, when people can't see them, when there's no contrast, when they're, they're not big enough. Right. And it's, you know, to be honest, I, I, it's, it's something that I have not spent enough time thinking about. And even with my mother and, and her, her, her blindness, and she uses a computer, you know, I mean, she is a whiz at the computer. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll call her and she's like making scones. She found a recipe online, you know, like she does not let <laughs> her blindness, yeah, exactly. her spirit. I mean, she has, has her down days for sure. But like, 
I mean, as far as using a computer, yeah, I think that that's something that most people out there in the community would not even think of or make that connection because they 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 subconsciously think that the that is not a tool that a blind person uses at all or that right. a blind person or a visually like we don't we're not as mindful about that visual impairment spectrum and yeah. you actually said that to me when we were talking and I and I just want to bring this up so we can kind of riff on it a bit but just that this accessibility and we hear about accessibility a lot more than ever before, which I think is amazing, right? Like this, these are the conversations we need to keep having. When you, when we were talking about this before, we talked about it really being about a future, future-minded entrepreneurship. So really kind of building in that thoughtfulness, creating accessibility in our business is a mindfulness practice, which I, I had never taken that perspective before, but I was so glad when you shared that and obviously wanting to share it with our listeners here, because that's what, I mean, that is what this future in life, no matter what direction we're talking about, right. Whether it's, you know, raising more compassionate children who become, you know, better adults and better politicians. And, you know, we know the whole domino effect that that would have, right. (laughs) Um, and, or, or being in our business and making these changes, it's all about mindfulness, right? Stress management, mindfulness, connection with your partner, mindfulness. So it only makes sense. Yeah. And thank you for looping us back because that when I realized that for, for a while, I thought, how does this work? How does my mindfulness practice and yoga and teaching meditation, how is this actually combined with this new side of my business as a consultant, as an accessibility consultant? I knew there was a way, but I wasn't sure. And I was literally in the middle of a presentation for a company and I was leading them through because in the beginning of my, my workshops, we always do a little bit of breathing to keep us, get us grounded. Right. And then we have an experiential part where clients literally see through my eyes and I had them walk around the rooms just to physically get a perspective of what it is like and what they need to change in their environment for someone who's visually impaired. But I was kind of watching them breathe and watching them walk around how I had them move a little bit slower, which is what I used to do in my my practice anyway, in my, in my teachings. But I realized it's all mindfulness to be a thoughtful leader in your community, in your business, to be a thoughtful, powerful entrepreneur. You have to be mindful of what you're actually putting into the world. And when I talk to businesses and we are, we're doing website audits, one of my first questions is, you know, how many photos do you really need on your homepage? Cause it's comes back to that conversation of, I got to have it all. There's not enough time. There's not enough space. Everybody has to know everything about me all right now. And I'm like, oh shit, no, this is how this works. Great. No, no. Especially when I start asking them to describe their photos through alt text and photo descriptions for my community. And they go, oh yeah, I don't want. I don't want a carousel. <laughs> like, I don't want it anymore. I just want one or two photos. Great. Because those photos right. are powerful. 
they mean something. So it does. Accessibility comes back down to a mindfulness practice in your business. How do you want to move it forward? Who are you inviting to your business? What, what audiences have you forgotten about? Hopefully this conversation reminds you to open it up to everybody and not be scared. I think you and I talked about that also. And that's a big conversation in the DEI world and in the accessibility and the disability world for people who are not disabled. We've just been thrown so many things at us. I think everybody really is trying their best. I do believe that. I think we're all really overwhelmed and confused of what we need to do. In so many aspects. I think that's so a great now point. Yeah. Right now we're just not doing anything. Right. And it comes back also to the B88 compliant on your website, mm-hmm. uh, in your physical space. You know, last year, the ADA really started to crack down on, on inaccessible websites and mm-hmm. people were getting fined. I mean, it's, it's been a really big movement. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a really big movement. At the same time, we don't want people having to rush and make this compliant just to get it off their list and out of fear. We, I want it to be a mindful reason yeah. and I want it to be a powerful reason. Yeah. And I think you're right. There are a lot of businesses and I think just people too, you know, who, and it's I, I, to speak to what you said. Yes. I think everybody is overwhelmed because they're afraid of messing it up. Right. And maybe looking silly or being embarrassed or hurting somebody, but in, but, but, but instead of kind of coming to the table with, Hey, I'm inexperienced with this. I really don't know. I'm feeling confused. Right. It actually parades or masquerades as a resistance of this isn't important enough for me to actually give my time, which I don't think is really what people mean, but it comes across that way as it's like, oh, another thing, right? Like, oh, we need, you know, unisex bathrooms to appeal to, you know, the non-binary gen, you know, gendered folks or whatever it might be. Right. And there's always going to be more that can be done, I think, but yeah, it's, it's flipping that script a bit and realizing that it doesn't have to be hard right? Like the things that you've mentioned are pretty simple changes to make such a big impact. So simple and so easy. And remember, you're doing the best you can. I'm doing the best I can. I will do the best I can tomorrow. I'm going to try, you know, we just put so much pressure on ourselves in so many different ways, but yeah, the things that I, I teach my my clients just, it comes back to mindfulness and simplicity. The more simplicity, simple, I love it. Bold. Being simple is bold. It is. It just, it, it means that you don't have all this rhetoric. It means that you are mm. decisive. It means that you're aligned. It means that you are powerful and you know what your mission is. Yeah, definitely. And when I think about simplicity too, I think about timelessness. I think about something being classic, right? Something that never goes out of style, something that appeals to everyone because it is so simple, but all encompassing too. So, I mean, I guess that's a great way to think about accessibility and maybe yes, simplifying things on 
you know, your different collateral or your website or whatever it might be. Is that like, number one, it takes the pressure out of, off of you to be like super creative and come up with something that's like, so wow. Right. Like, I think we all think we have to have this wow factor and honestly, simplicity goes such a long way. And I mean, that's what makes things so much more accessible as well. Yes. Yes. Let the wow simple and just as bold as bigger in this, in my world, bigger is always better. Yeah. Larger, bigger fonts, bigger images, like all the things. Yes, I love it. So I want to ask you specifically, Mary Catherine, about resilience and resiliency. Because of course, here on the Empowered Resilient Woman podcast, it's for me, it's just been a really big buzzword, right? For my own well-being, right? And it was something that I identified with my clients that you know, you know, they were stressed, they were overwhelmed, you know, there was, there's a lot of factors to, you know, wanting to be happy in life. Right. But I think the underlying thread for so many of us women and so many people is that we want to know that we can handle anything that comes our way. Right. And like you said, you know, so many of us will be a part of the the disabled community at some point in our life, right? And that might be a health diagnosis. That may be a visual impairment that comes up, right? So it can look different, but, you know, what does resilience mean to you? What does it mean to be resilient? You know, honestly, it's been a big buzzword in my life for a long time. And I, I think I, we talked about this I didn't even really connect to it until three years ago. Yeah. Because I didn't know, I didn't physically embody what that meant until I went through losing my sight mm-hmm. and re and, and knowing that I'm the most incredible and powerful and most resilient person I know. Yeah. And I think that every single one of us will have that moment in our lives where they will realize holy shit, I am the most resilient person I know. I can do this. I can take one step at a time. I can be a part of what matters to me and grow from this and then share it. Whatever I'm learning, I have to share. It's part, I think that's also part of the resilient piece because I think when we don't have resilience, we keep things to ourselves because we're nervous about it. But it's yeah. brave. It's a very, very brave thing to do to share your story, to share your your learnings, your failures, whatever, whatever it is. All those things are part of your resilience. You know, absolutely. You know, and most most people that I know, and I'm sure that you know, and everybody listening, everybody that you know, we've <laughs> all been through a lot of shit, right? Like we've all been through it. Like there has been, I'm sure of time in your life where you feel like you went to fucking hell and back. Right. And mm-hmm. you're stronger because of it. Right. Doesn't mean it wasn't hard as hell, but you probably learned a lot. And and I think that we forget to continue to give ourselves credit for these things that we've accomplished in our life. You know, we're so, we're focused on the future, which is great. Um, but we forget about everything that we've conquered in the past. And that is such an empowering practice or exercise to do is actually to go back and think about all the things that you've accomplished in your life, the hurdles that you've 
jumped over that you've crawled under, right? <laughs> and oh my god, <laughs> and, and it, right, I know. <laughs> We've all had low points. <laughs> We've all been down in the trenches, in the mud, like army crawling well, across, you know, the the landmines uh, of the the war zone. It's it's yeah, it's, shit, that's life. But yeah. you have to give yourself that credit. I think that that is one of the most empowering things that I have learned to do is to, when I'm feeling that self-doubt, when I'm having a tough mental day, you know, and just kind of thinking about that this place is temporary, right? It's honor those emotions, right? Like you said, you've had, you've had to honor all your emotions in this process of becoming and embracing being a blind woman, a proud blind woman, right? So that yeah. you can go on and teach and share and change your community for the better, right? But you have to, I mean, I think continually looking back and realizing and giving yourself credit for all that you're doing and the positive impact that it's having, that's when you really get to look in the mirror and say, damn, I am her, right? I am the person that I've always been dreaming of being. I am resilient. I can do this. We're going to figure it out. And then tomorrow I might fall flat on my ass and I'm going to get up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we might be in bed, like needing, to, needing, needing a mental health day, you know, eating a box of chocolate. That's usually my go-to is finding something sweet and, you know, <laughs> shoving it down my face. <laughs> I mean, listen, every day is different. And every, I mean, every single day is different. You know, speaking of going back and kind of looking at all the things that we've done, I also I look at how afraid I have been since I was 13, how much fear I've held in my body, waiting, like holding my breath to go blind. Like, is it going to happen now? Is it going to happen tomorrow? Is it going to happen next week? These things. And it's so beautiful having led to meditation and breath work to really like just bust open the door on all of that. So my lungs literally could just relax and breathe. Yeah. And then three years ago, when I was, when I had this last diagnosis and became legally blind, I was like, well, fuck. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> this is what I've been afraid of for this whole time. I'm, I'm here. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. It's here and I'm okay. It's the diagnosis for so many. It's the delivery it's, this is why our practices of taking care of ourselves is so, I'm going to cry, is so important. Yeah. The way we take care of ourselves, we teach our children how to take care of themselves and their bodies. Because when big things happen, we can come back to our practices. We can come back to our breath and know that we can get through the next moment and the next moment. And then we can, they can teach their friends and their peers. And, you know, I just... I finally was able to truly like exhale when my um, ophthalmologist, she said, well, as of today, you're legally blind. I wanted to hit her and also hug her. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. Not easy news to get, but you've, you, like you said, you've been training for this your whole life, you know, with being in yoga and meditation and the ability to, to learn how to regulate yourself. Right. And you've been setting yourself from the beginning, like, wow, like 
I just have so much love for that 13 year old girl who was like rearranging her bedroom and, you know, testing herself even back then. Like you were determined as hell, girl. I mean, that's, I really it's just incredible. Was. I didn't even know, you know, when I went, I was a massage therapist for years and then I became a Reiki master. And I thought, I mean, my 13 year old self started this whole thing back then I really touched her away for a long time. She came back out luckily, but, um, we all have that, that 13 year old self in us. And they're saying, usually they're the loudest ones in us. They're telling us something. It's either rage. (laughs) Um, and if it's rage, it's something that we want to change in our lives. It's something that it's not, we are not okay with that status quo, right? We want bigger and, and we want it just to be, we want it better and easier for us. So I wanted one last thing I want to say about kind of going back. This is really kind of off topic, but it's also important. Usually on Monday mornings, maybe Tuesdays, you know, we're all moving so fast in the mornings prior to school, drop off prior to work and all that. And we think, God, I've just, I've got so much to do. I haven't got anything done. Bullshit. You woke up, you took a shower, you got dressed, you got people in your house dressed, you fed animals, you fed all the people in your house. You've made coffee, you've made all these things. We started the laundry, like all the things we just are on. So whenever you hear this podcast, just know that tomorrow morning you're going to do it. And you're going to go, damn, look at all that. Look at all of that that I just did. All right. All right. Okay. You know, which is also mindfulness, right? Like pausing to really see those things and it takes being intentional, right? We are moving at a very fast pace, you know, naturally too. I think that a lot of women just have that natural energy, right? Like I do consider myself a high energy person. I like to be busy, right? Like I am not busy with stuff that I don't need to do, but I like to be productive. So, and you know, running a household, there's no shortage of shit to do. So you know, there's always clothes to wash or something that I could quickly get done. Right. And obviously making time for rest as well, equally these days, but slowing down, you know, and I I was telling myself that the other week, actually, actually last week specifically, I was, I was kind of recovering from a cold and then I have like some weird thing on my hand. It's been a pain in the ass, frankly, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm not going to go into it, but in an injury. Right. And, and here's the thing, you know, if you've ever had an injury and, and honestly, had your abilities hindered, right. For any period of time, right. We all know how frustrating that is, right. We hate being sick because we feel like we can't do anything right. When you're injured, you feel like you can't, like, I've got this thing on my hand. I haven't been able to do yoga. I haven't been able to go to the gym like I can. Right. And, And that to me is that accessibility factor. Right. And like thinking about, gosh, there are people who feel like this every day, because the way the world is built, it's not set up for them to have a good experience. Um, and I, I just thank you, Mary Catherine, for opening our eyes to this, you know, and, you know, really sharing some of these easy ways that, you know, businesses and, and just anybody, right, who's involved in any type of community or anything, right? Like asking those questions, am I leaving any community out? You know, how can I make this more 
easier to look at, right? Bigger font, um, some descriptions of the pictures, right? Like these are important changes that we need to start making now. They're so, so simple. Can I give two tips just really fast? Yes. Yes. Share away. Please y'all. This is so easy. Okay. For the, for the love of my site and your site, everyone's vision. And if you're on Instagram and you're in stories, you don't have to tell us a, in a novel on one photo, give it right three to four photos, make the font larger. So simple, so easy. And I love you for doing that. I love you so much. And it's good. You're going to, you're going to be, you're going to be very surprised and you're going to laugh and you should send me an email about it because so many of your friends are going to say, oh, this is amazing. I can read all of that. <laughs> and there's probably going to be higher engagement too, too, honestly, because even sighted people don't really want to read like some tiny little, like, you know, essay, oh, right. You know, so breaking it up. It. Oh my God. I spent hours. I have spent hours with my magnifier trying to look at mm. posts or stories. And then, and then I just, once a month, I, I completely call my whole account and I just drop so many accounts. Yeah. So many, they're not accessible. I'm done. I'm out. I don't even yeah. go on websites. They're not accessible anymore. And when I go to businesses, or, I have a word with the manager <laughs> And that's it. Okay. So that number one, make your stories, your font and your stories larger, really, really, really simple thing to do. If you own a business, please in your bathroom, make sure there is a hook on the back of the door. Mm, yes. I don't always have a purse with me, but I have my white cane. And if I have to hold my white cane up for it, it won't lean against something, then it mm-hmm. falls on the floor or is dirty and it's disgusting. And now yeah. I have to pick it back up with my hand, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So simple. Mm-hmm. A hook, large print and websites. This is my last yeah. one. Love it. Really need to work together. Cause I can tell these businesses are like, wait, what, what are all yeah. these? What are these? Um, but if you have another, if you have a physical space, please put an image of the front of your building up on your website, on the contact page. Yeah. We have to know what we're walking into. I need to know if there are steps, if there's a ramp, what do you have? So that it's easy for us to get into your building. You have to build a ramp. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, where are you? Let, let me know what I am going to walk into. Are there mm. steps? What, what would I, what would I know? Cause when I get out of my Uber, I can't always see if there there are seven steps or if there's one step or if there is a guardrail or whatever, if there's, there's, am I, am I going to be on gravel? Just let us know. It's, and again, your website is the very first place your clients or customers will interface with accessibility or not. And they'll know what kind of business it is. So that's it. (laughs) Well, and the good news is the good news is I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes. So if you have specific questions, if you want to get in touch with, you know, Mary Catherine for a speaking engagement, for consulting, for accessibility consulting, seriously reach out. Cause she's your woman. <laughs> she's a hundred percent your woman. Um, so we're, before we wrap up, we are going to do our little lightning round. And, um, I'm curious, what do you love about 
being a woman? Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> so many things. So many things. Number one, that we're innovative. We're like sexy, creative. We're constantly in the flow. That in the flow doesn't mean that we are, well, in the flow. We're always aligned. That's how I, that's my favorite part about being a woman and that we are always in sync with nature and the phases of nature. So true. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Spoke spoke right to my heart, girl. You know, I'm a fool for that moon and all the astrology. Yes. 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 What about patience, humility, and surrender? What's the hardest one for you? Oh man. Um, or a woman, I should say, let me think. Yeah. Um, um, Patience and surrender are equally as hard. They're hard as fuck. Yeah. Really hard to let go. And it's really hard to go just to let, just to have, just to have trust. Right. Like those are, those are, they're really hard, but it's kind of like when I first started using a cane, you know, I spoke earlier about, I was kicking and screaming. My husband said, I really think you should think about it. I'm like, no, I fucking don't. I'm fine. I can figure it out. And then we went somewhere and I thought, no, I want to go to the bathroom by myself. I don't have to ask my son or my husband, how many steps to the bathroom? How many steps do I go into the building? Blah, blah. I want, I want to get up and trust myself enough with a cane to independently move along, move throughout and glide through the spaces that I'm in. So on the other side, I realized on the other side of my fear was my independence and freedom. So, so that's a surrender is she's a real, oh, she will get you. She'll oh, grab yeah. a hold of you. It's like the breath. Like I always tell people when you do breath work, you think, oh yeah, I'm going to do breath work. I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go to breath work class. I'm already breathing. Bitch, you're about to get your whole life. To you. <laughs> I breathe every day. What are you talking about? I need to do breath work. Right. I know. <laughs> it will take you where you need to go. Not always where you want to go. Oh, and that's the humility factor. And I think, you know, that's one that I think patience and surrender, obviously, like hands down, I feel everybody who's come on this show has, who I've asked that question to, those are the two that they usually talk about. And humility is something that like, I don't think we're really, we don't really talk about enough. Right. And that is the ability to say, to humble yourself, right. To put the ego aside and to, and your pride aside and be like, you know what? I do have to learn something new. I do have to be open to another perspective or another solution, right? Because it is our pride and our ego that often keeps us from the sol- the best solution, right? Or gaining the confidence that we need to go do what we need to do to get to the other side of fear. And I loved what you said about on the other side of your fear was freedom, which is always the case in my experience as well, is that no matter what you're fucking afraid of, what you want the most, it's on the other side of doing the damn thing. So we got to figure it out. Oh, we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. (laughs) We we 
can do it. We got it, you know, and I have just one thing about freedom really fast. So I, I lead yeah. once a month, once a month, I lead something on, uh, on zoom. It's called name your cane happy hour. I love and it. it's, white, it's for white cane users all over the world. We meet once a month and we talk about our experiences with the cane, the good, the bad, the highs, lows, but, uh, two of the women this past week, actually both named their canes freedom because that's what they give them is freedom. I love it. One is in German and one is English. And so great. Just this opening to freedom. It's on the other side of our fear. We got it. We've got it. We're not alone. That's the most amazing thing. Awesome. Well, uh, what are you reading these days? Let, we'll do make that our final question for today is what, what are you reading? What are you watching? What's a, something that you're loving right now? It could be anything that you want to share. Well, I'm reading an incredible book. It's, and I am now I'm going to forget the title, but it's an archangel book. Oh, and I have not worked with archangels years, but it has been, it's been incredible. Um, the woman who the author, she also had some health things come up early on in her life where she found her gifts mm-hmm. and she started working with archangels. And so that it's been a book of, a di- it's been divinely timed. I will say that mm-hmm. I'll, I will send you, I'll send you the, um, the title and yes, the author. Please do. We'll put that in the show notes as well, for sure. And um, thank you so much again, Mary Catherine, for being here. I'm just, you're such a delight. You're such a warm, you know, woman. And I just, every time I see you, I just want to hug you. So I can't wait till we can see each other in person again (laughs) and I can give you a good squeeze. Um, But you no doubt shared a lot of wisdom here. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you for doing your own work to be able open the door for women to speak their own story. So thank you for your work as well. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And, you know, thank you all again for listening. I, you know, we appreciate you so much. And if you enjoyed this episode, or if you think that there's somebody that could really benefit from this message, from hearing it, please take a screenshot, share it to your social media. You can tag me at Kimberly.brook.smith. I'd love to respond and repost and say thank you. Uh, and you know, yeah, just know that we appreciate you and keep shining. We will see you next time. And thanks so much for being here. So long. Mm-hmm.